Bases loaded and one out. Oh, oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk-off home run. Grand slam. What's going on? Mike Curlin here. Welcome into the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And I just wanted to do a quick podcast, almost like a bonus podcast. Don't want to do the separate, like a huge, big, grand podcast for this. I just want to talk about some recent news and notes and happenings in the major leagues because, well, <laughs> there's like a lot, but a little going on. The big news, obviously, breaking overnight was Liam Hendricks signing to the Chicago White Sox. He's getting a three-year deal with a fourth-year club option and will carry a $54 million overall guarantee. Holy crap. If that doesn't scream closer, I don't know what does. You should plant him atop your closer rankings, top two, top three, for sure, given his skill set and given the team context. We're talking about a team who's probably, arguably, the, I mean, definitely the best offense in that, league, in that division. He gets to face some of the weakest opponents in the Tigers and the Indians regularly, and that team should win a lot of games. You're getting a mixture of everything. Good team, bad division, great stuff. Liam Hendricks is the guy there. There should be no doubt in your mind. You should definitely, definitely take him with confidence in drafts. Next up is the whole Andrew Benatendi trade talks. Apparently the Marlins, among other teams, are showing interest in Andrew Benatendi. I don't know what to think of Benatendi anymore. We've seen what he can be. We've seen him struggle the last couple of years. And honestly, a change of scenery might just do him well. He is only 26 years old, and he has shown us the capabilities of a 2020 season, a 16-21 season. The plate discipline has always been good, but the last two years he struggled with strikeouts. I don't know what's going on. I just think maybe a change of scenery, some new coaching, something. Something's got to give. He's too young, too talented not to turn it around eventually. But right now, he's just a tough buy in fantasy. So you got to be very, very mindful. You could probably get him real cheap in your dynasty formats, though, so it's worth noting. Next piece of news is CJ Crone has been cleared from all baseball activities, and we know what CJ Crone is. 250, 30 home runs. Take that to the bank. Well, I shouldn't say take that, but take that pace to the bank. The dude can smack. He can hit halfway decent in terms of batting average. It's just a matter of playing time. Where is he playing? He's a pretty much a DH at this point in his career, and – we need to see if the NL gets the DH. I think if the NL gets the DH, he gets a job. Otherwise, he might have a hard time landing a gig. I, I don't know. There's so many players still available on the free agent market right now. It's hard to see CJ Crone getting preference. And given the current state of said market, better players are going to be similar or barely more expensive. I don't see how teams wouldn't opt for the better player on the one-year. Chris Bryant, according to reports, the Blue Jays are among many clubs who have checked in on the availability of Chris Bryant. It seems like it's a pretty open, closed case in terms of if the clubs are willing to trade them. I think they pretty much are. That's not much of a secret. It's just a matter of who wants to go up and pay for them a little bit. Given what we saw Lindor go for, I don't see how a t- how the Cubs would get much more for Bryant. I mean, they wouldn't. Lindor is the better talent. So that the Cubs are probably just trying to take field all the offers and just take the best one available. Bryant did come off of a rough year. I chalk a lot of that up to injury and just not being able to get right. People often cite his like diminished average exit velocity and stuff like that, but he's never been like a huge or crazy exit velocity guy. His hard hit data hasn't really been like, oh my God. But the the concerning thing of last year where the strikeouts were up and the barrel rate was way down. And I think those things will adjust with being just being healthy. And we saw 
in the second half when he did return, he did have a better batting average. He he did cut down the strikeouts a little bit, so he was kind of riding the ship at that point. I don't know what to expect with him. I just think that he's definitely better than what he showed us last year. He has a track record. He is not the MVP caliber player that we saw in 2016. People just need to understand that. And people just seem to have a really hard time accepting that. And he's not, he hasn't been that player in a few years. So anybody who expects that, of course you're going to be let down. Like, it's just He's just not that guy. He's going to be a solid, safe player, I, I believe, for fantasy. According to reports, the Braves are expected to have Austin Riley open the 2021 season at third base. He showed some growth at the, at the plate last year, too. And here are a few notable changes. His average launch angle was down to 13.3 degrees, but with it came an improved standard deviated launch angle, which means the tightness of the swing improved. He was able to essentially end the repeatability. It's just, it's a good thing. You want him to be able to have a swing that is easy to repeat. And it should lead to better contact, which it did. Last year's contact rate was up 9.3 points. He improved his O swing, his whiff rate, and his swing and strike rate. So essentially, he stopped chasing as much. He stopped swinging through pitches and missing and swinging through strikes as much. That all led to the strikeout rate dropping. It dropped 7.6 points to 23.3%, which is basically or just about league average. I think we saw the beginning of things to come for Austin Riley and Right now, he's a solid get in fantasy leagues just on the on the chance that it all clicks coming into his third year. And it could be technically, I would say this is his first true full season. And he's only 23 years old. And I think with prospects, prospect growth isn't linear. Paul Spore always says that. And he's right. He could just now be coming into his own. And he was a former top prospect. So it's not like he doesn't have that pedigree. I'll stop with the rant now. But Austin Riley's a guy I'm really excited for and interested in watching for 2021. Another report from John Heyman of the MLB Network. The Nationals are not willing to trade pitching prospects Mason Denenberg or Cade Cavalli for Eugenio Suarez. Can't say I'm surprised, but at the same time, do you expect to get Suarez without giving up some of your top prospects? I know Suarez, apparently Suarez is available. The Reds are making it very obvious that they went from all in to all out. <laughs> they are trading their pieces away. Suarez will, would be a solid get for any team. Although he did underperform last year, I think he has a long enough track record to know and suggest that he will be better. Worth noting, though, he's had a couple seasons in a row now where his contact rates have decreased, where his swing strike rates have increased. Explains why his strikeout rates have increased the last two years as well, close to 30% both years, just under. With that type of strikeout rate and this type of profile, if it continues to climb, that batting average will not remain high in the 270s and such that he's shown. So although he has had great success to this point, if he does not fix those contact issues, we will be having issues as a whole with uh, Suarez's batting average. And take away his batting average, he becomes another thumping 250-ish hitter. And that's not something that is really hard to come by in terms of fantasy. So it's just worth monitoring. A fun little tidbit about Suarez in terms of his plate discipline issues and uh, how it's regressed over the last couple of seasons. Again, just be mindful. Another piece of news is Tim Brown of Yahoo Sports reports that free agent second baseman DJ LeMahieu has told his representatives with other clubs. This is really concerning. I've been saying it that the Yankees make the most sense in terms of fit for his fantasy production, but he might not be a Yankee next year. And his ADP is crazy high with the fact that there's any uncertainty. I can't get behind paying the price for him because even in his best years, Again, he played in cores, which is the next best park for anybody compared to Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium just happens to fit his skill set. And LeMahieu just, he 
needs Yankee Stadium to be the fantasy producer he's been in terms of power production. The batting average, the hit tool, we know that's coming. That's always going to be there. What we don't, what we don't know, or what we know won't be there without Yankee Stadium is the power. We're talking about a long track record of at cores, and he was his career best was 15 home runs. Since you know, since 2019, he's hit 36 home runs. 27 of them have been at New York. Of those 27, 16 were opposite field, aka he has taken advantage of that short porch. He has the hit tool to put the ball to all fields. He knows how to take advantage of that park he plays in. If he leaves New York, those home runs come down a good amount, thus a big hit to his production. He will sign soon. He, I, he's one of the free agents I think will have a job for sure sooner than later. But if it's not with the Yankees, there's, a chance, there's just a big chance I'm out on him. I shouldn't say big chance. I'm already out on him. Once he's not a Yankee or if he's not a Yankee, he will fall in ADP. Then I might become more interested at the reduced cost. There is belief and expectation that the Mets will move Seth Lugo back to the bullpen in 2021. He wants to be a starter, but he has been so great out of the bullpen. This move makes sense. They went out and got Carlos Carrasco. And with with Syndergaard coming back around June or so, he wouldn't be a long-term solution in the in the rotation anyway. But him in the bullpen is great for those Mets pitchers and maybe the Mets pitchers will get wins and by the Mets pitchers I mean the Grom but we'll see I like that move it hurts his fancy stock because unless you're in a saves plus holds leagues if you're in a saves saves and holds leagues Seth Lugo is a guy you should target because you know you're going to get the ratios and you're going to get the holds next piece of news is that there apparently is a lack of consistent contact between the twins and free agent Nelson Cruz the Twins made a one-year offer during the opening weeks of free agency, then pulled it off the table after a couple of weeks before making a second contract offer during the holidays that went nowhere. Apparently, Nelson Cruz is seeking a two-year contract, and he hasn't really shown a whole lot of regression in his game. I am a little nervous, though, in terms of the batting average, a little bit. And I'm saying a little bit because I've quit doubting this guy. But we're looking at two straight seasons of an increase in strikeout rate. And with an increase in strikeout rate, that's usually hard to sustain 300 batting averages that he's posted each of the last two years. And he's put up a 351 BABIP in 2019 and a 360 BABIP in 2020 with a career BABIP of 309. So he's carrying those 300 batting averages with those BABIPs. And Nelson Cruz, shocker, spoiler alert, he's not fast. He's not somebody who's going to beat out infield hits. He's not somebody that is going <laughs> to, is not very fast, obviously. So depending on speed to help assist with the BABIP ain't happening. So we've seen him overperform BABIP two straight years. We've seen the strikeouts increase two straight years. You got to assume that batting average closer to a 270, 260 mark. And that's fine, but that's not the Nelson Cruz that people are usually drafting him for. And not to mention the health concerns. Yes, he played 53 games last year, but played 144 and 120 the years before. Hasn't hit, hasn't played 150 games since 2017. And that's where he hit, played 155 for three straight or sorry, four straight, he played 150 or more, I should say. So the health has been declining, the strikeouts have been increasing, and the BABIP has been unsustainably high the last two years. I know he hits a ton of line drives. I know he hits a ton of fly balls. and I know he hits for a ton of power. But at 40 years old, something's got to give. The Royals remain active in talks with free agents and were reportedly among the clubs pursuing free agent Jerickson Pro for last month. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. They want a lefty bat, apparently. Profar is coming off a decent year. And honestly, Profar is just like this oddly decent player. Like, I know he never hit on that prospect pedigree. I know he never hit on that upside we were hoping for. But the guy kind of just produces. Like, he is what he is. He's solid. And in terms of fantasy, he's solid, safe, and boring. 
gives you about 20 home runs, about 10 stolen bases, and will hit anywhere from 250 to 270. Yeah, the floor is that we know there's a floor there of like 230 batting average, but he always seems he's more of a compiler. It feels like he just kind of does it and it's not flashy or fun, but in your deeper formats and the flexibility he brings in terms of positional flexibility to a team and to your fantasy roster, he's somebody to consider late in drafts. Kind of like him. A couple of last pieces of news here. You have Kyle Schwarber obviously signing the one-year contract with the Nationals. I love it. I love the move for the Nationals. They're giving Soto and Trey Turner a lineup around them. Bell, Schwarber. It's going to be fun to watch. It's a lot of big boppers from the left side of the plate, though. So that's getting, you know, they need to get a righty in there. I know Bell is a switch hitter, but still they need something to mix that up. But, man, change of scenery for Schwarber and Bell. Going to a team that wants to win and compete, that mindset is going to be tremendous for them. I think they both bounce back. I'm really, I've always been a big Schwarber guy, and I think he's going to really do well given given this opportunity. Then you have Willie Castro is going to be the team's everyday shortstop. He just posted a triple slash at 349, 381, 550 with six home runs, and he showed, you know, flashes last year. He's going to be solid, and honestly, he might be a little bit of a sneaky little sleeper for that little power-speed combination. He offers a little bit of both. I wouldn't expect a ton of power by any means, obviously, but he's on a team that, is still rebuilding. He probably will hit towards the top of the lineup. He, as recently as 2019, posted 11 home runs and 17 stolen bases in a season. In 2017, 11 and 19, he's been consistently decent in the, in the upper minors, hitting 286 or better at three different stops. I, I mean, obviously, he's not going to put up a 448 bad bip and a 349 batting average, but I think there's a little bit of um, a little bit of upside there. And upside where he's going in drafts is noteworthy. So it's going to be interesting to see how that that plays out, see if that bat can continue where it left off. A big piece of news, and it has has a lot of fantasy implications, and probably the last thing we're going to talk about today is Sandy Alderson, the Mets president, has made it clear that he is not comfortable with Dominic Smith as a left fielder. Dominic Smith is currently slated to be the starting left fielder. But reading into this suggests that they are going to go out and sign someone – you know, you know they're in on Springer, or at least they've, you know, there's been indications of it. JBJ, Jackie Bradley Jr. is also kind of like, it's like the backup option at this point. I don't know what to expect from the Mets, but hearing that is not good. I think they, I mean, they would be a team that would benefit greatly from the DH because if not, if they go out and sign an outfielder and there's no DH, then Dom Smith and Pete Alonso are in for a likely timeshare. And that's according to Jeff Zimmerman's article. He found a quote about that. So that is going to do it for the news. I appreciate you guys listening and checking me on this quick little podcast. Probably ran a little longer than expected, but hey, it's me. I'm going to talk. I <laughs> appreciate you guys listening as always. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin, and we will be back with you tomorrow with episode 134.